Hey guys, Bill here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. Today we have Lindsey Jones from The Athletic talking about the free agent moves in the NFC with me. But first, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to quickly tell you about another ESPN podcast hosted by Scott Van Pelt, and it's the SV Pod. SVP takes deep dives with guests and topics in an entertaining way that only he can. And of course, Stanford Steve, the host of Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, and the producer on SVP's Sports Center will be involved as always. I've been on the show in the past, a fun time if you want to listen to my episode. Of course, more recent episodes are going up every week, so be sure to download and follow SVP Pod wherever you get your podcasts. On top of that, don't miss the biggest, baddest rematch at UFC 260. As heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic and number one contender Francis Ngannou meet for the second time. UFC 260 on March 27th is exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for $69.99. So check out the rematch at ESPNplus.com slash PPV. And now here's Lindsay Jones breaking down the NFC in free agency. All right, joining me now, as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, a regular contributor, one of the best in the business, a frequent contributor to the Athletic Football Show, where we had her colleague Robert Mays on yesterday to talk about the AFC. Joining us to talk about the NFC's free agent moves is the Athletics' Lindsay Jones. Lindsay, how are you? I am great, Bill, and I'm excited to hear that Robert was my warm-up act. <laughs> in many ways, uh, Robert is your warm-up act in terms of podcasting. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Now that he's on the line, I can make fun of him. Absolutely. I mean, with the, we could keep that a common thread going through this entire podcast. If I want. think that would be fair. I, I deliberately did not give him the NFC because I didn't want to insult the Bears for 10 minutes and make him cry. But we can do that on this show because we can make fun of the Bears. But we'll get to them in a little bit. We're going to start. We'll go division by division, team by team, breaking down what they did and just talk about basically, you know, like whether it was the right decision, whether they have done enough to improve their team what their plan is, which is not always clear for some of these teams in free agency. But let's start with the Dallas Cowboys, a team that the big thing on their to-do list this offseason, you know, uh, number one, bunch of stars next to it, circled five or six times in red ink, was signed Dak Prescott. And they did. So in terms of the other moves they've made, Taiseki coming in at tackle, uh, Jordan Lewis being re-signed at cornerback, mostly small moves. I mean, does any of this matter relative to Dak coming back on a long-term deal? Well, I mean, that coming back was the one move they had to make. If they didn't re-sign him to a long-term deal, I mean, look, he could have been on the franchise tag and we'd be talking about this for weeks or months, whether or not he was going to get his deal done. That really matters. I am a little concerned about their lack of significant moves on defense Yeah, because they were really bad on defense and have been for a long time. And their defensive roster is not noticeably if at all better today than it was at the end of last season and mm -hmm. that is concerning yeah i mean they did just get keanu neal which uh should help them a little bit um but i mean a guy who has major injury history you know i, I really think for them i think what they're looking at on defense is just with mike nolan we were poorly coached and just by having a competent coach on defense dan quinn we're going to fix things that may not work but I think given their cap situation, given how they've built things, I think that's what their plan seems to be because they have not made major additions on that side of the football and don't really have the resources in terms of the cap space to get that done. I mean, they still may add an edge rusher. Um, you know, there's still some veterans out there, guys like Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston. Uh, those guys are still available, so they could add somebody. 
but we saw last year. I mean, they added guys like Gerald McCoy, Everson Griffin, whether it was injuries, whether it was questionable fit, those moves did not necessarily work out. So I don't know if they're inclined to even make a lot of big veteran additions to that defense. I mean, the message that I'm taking from Dallas right now is that they're positioned to be an offense that's going to score a lot of points and they're going to have to win a lot of games, you know, 38, 35, and maybe they'll be okay with that. And that's just the way that they're going to play. They're spending all of their money on offense. Their most talented players for the most part are all on offense and that might be good enough to win the NFC East, right? Yes. They're going to mesmerize one team per year with a spinning onside kick and win a game that way. They will outscore five or six more. And if they can get to seven wins, they're probably good. So I think that is a viable plan given all they have to work with on offense. Their offense is great. They should be okay if the key guys stay healthy, which did not happen last year. Um, the New York Giants, a, a team that I think has made a lot of splash signings. And when I look at those splash signings, I have major questions. Leonard Williams, the apple in Dave Gettleman's eye, three years, $63 million, like Khalil Mack level money for a guy who has not been that caliber of producer for any significant length of time. Kenny Galladay in a depressed wide receiver market gets four years and $72 million. Dory Jackson, a guy who was cut by Tennessee because they did not want to pay him 10, a little over $10 million on his fifth year option gets a three year, $39 million deal with $16 million due in year one. I mean, with a lot of these guys, and this has not been, now, this has been a thing the Giants have done actually in years past. It felt like the Giants are negotiating against themselves for some of these players. Do you think that's fair to say? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I, I, you know, I don't think value was something that they got a ton of. I didn't <laughs> hate the Leonard Williams move mm-hmm. as much as maybe you did right now, just from fair. that they had to do it. They had put themselves into that position. If you looked at it in a vacuum as like, oh my God, I can't believe they gave that guy that much money without looking at where, what they had already done to acquire him and that he was already in the franchise tag last year, you know, they had to pay him given everything that had already happened. So I didn't hate it from that. It gave them some more flexibility signing Leonard Williams to that long-term deal gave them some money this year that enabled them to go out and give Kenny Galladay Mm -hmm. way more than the market value was for, for run receivers right now. But I mean, they're spending a lot. I mean, they're they're in that bucket of teams that knew they had to make a lot of moves because they weren't very good last year. They had a lot of roster deficiencies. But in a year where a lot of other teams were getting some good value and were getting guys on shorter, cheaper deals, mm-hmm. they uh, kind of went the opposite direction. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Dave Gettleman is someone who I think is maybe making decisions for his job this year. It may have been the case last year if they had not gone on that late season run, but it's very important to Dave Gettleman's future for Daniel Jones to succeed. And the moves they made, I mean, there's nothing they can argue about that uh, Daniel Jones does not have. They brought back Nate Solder on a one-year deal. They've invested a bunch in the offensive line. They did get rid of, um, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name. Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler. The card I just talked about like 10 minutes ago as I was recording with Mays. That's my own fault. I'm sorry. Um, but plenty at receiver, plenty at tight end. They added Kyle Rudolph as well. Saquon Barkley's coming back. Like, if it doesn't happen with Daniel Jones this year, like Dave Gettleman's probably getting fired and the Giants are probably drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. No? I think that's a pretty fair, you know, a fair assessment. Or at the very least, they would have some sort of quarterback competition. They might bring in another veteran or you draft somebody else. You know, I'm not sure if 
a new coach or a new general manager would completely part with Daniel Jones. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but this is very clearly a make or break type of season for Jones right now. He'll be out of excuses. Obviously we're going to get Saquon Barkley back, which will be huge. I mean, that's, they, they want, he's their best offensive player, probably their best player overall on that team. That'll help. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm completely enamored in, with everything that the giants did this off season. Yeah. I mean, I think they added some talented pieces, but major questions about the value they've added. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles have not added major pieces this off season. I think it is fair to say they are in. Uh, that's, what I, that's really unfair to Joe Flacco. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about Lindsay is that I, I don't know, maybe Joe Flacco will become beloved in the Philadelphia region. He of course is from that area a guy who, like you said on Twitter, um, maybe his major criterion was being close to a Wawa, which who can blame him? Wawas are great. But this move almost feels like it is a calculated effort to troll Eagles fans. Like they're not going to have a great solution at quarterback and they're going to give Jalen Hurts a shot. But like, it feels like Joe Flacco is the exact sort of quarterback that would make Eagles fans mad after the, uh, Nate Sudfeld disaster in week 17. I, yeah, I just don't really understand kind of the the thinking there. Are you signing him as your clear backup to Jalen Hurts? Because that seems like a very odd pairing. Mm-hmm. Are you going to draft a quarterback now? Because I don't think Joe Flacco is kind of a long-term answer there. I, you know, no. I have way more questions about the Eagles quarterback situation in the short term and the long term after this move. I totally get it for Flacco, right? I mean, you stay home. I'm sure you're going to, you know, have a, have a good time there. You, you'll be comfortable. You fit in very well in Philly, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton of faith right now in what they're doing and what their answers are going to be at quarterback. No, I mean, it, 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 it sort of makes me think that they're more committed to Jalen hurts because you would figure you wouldn't want Joe Flacco to be getting making, you know, making like $3 million guaranteed to be your number three if you're going to draft somebody and have Jalen Hurts. But I think if they see a guy they like, they're not going to resist that, the possibility of taking him if he's there when they're up in the first round. But I mean, on the whole, they, they signed Anthony Harris to a one year deal um, to take over at safety, which I think is a pretty good low cost one year deal. Still going to trade Zach Ertz, but this is a team that on spot track right now is $5 million over the cap. And I don't think they actually are $5 million over the cap once you get restructures done, but this is a team that very much is still a work in progress. It feels like a team that is eating their vegetables in 2021 with the idea of maybe coming out of this more competitive with cap space to work with in 2022. And that's really depressing. Yeah. If you're an Eagles fan. They won the Super Bowl like three years ago. Yeah. It was like, not that long ago. <laughs> it was not that long ago. Like, and if you had told any Eagles fan, yeah, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson are both not going to be there three years from now, they would have cursed at you. And yet that is exactly what has happened. Yeah, life comes at you fast. In the <laughs> NFL, you get teams get old really fast. And that they got old and they got expensive, and now they're having to pay for it. And the result is Joe Flacco for That's- $4 million. Just picturing the Eagles, like sending out season tickets to their fans with Joe Flacco on the ticket and just a slogan, life comes at you fast. The 2021 <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Um, <laughs> their Delaware fan base will be thrilled. Yes, that's true. The The outside of Philadelphia, the fans will be very excited. The um, Southern New Jersey fans, that fan base has been motivated by the Flacco signing, but 
I am skeptical that this team is really going to be all that great in 2021. Washington. I, it's weird to say, given how bad they've been in free agency for most of the past 25 years, I kind of like what's happened here. Ryan Fitzpatrick to me makes sense as a viable starter for a team that, you know, had a defense that was good enough to compete last year with the myriad quarterbacks they had to work with. William Jackson, I think a useful cornerback, maybe a little rich for my blood, but I love the Curtis Samuel signing. I know that it was the sort of putting two and two together with the Panthers, but um, I think a guy who they didn't have that sort of dimension last year gives them a great number two receiver next to Terry McLaren. I, I feel like there's a lot to be excited about with Washington, given the plan they're clearly committing towards in their second off season with Ron Rivera. Yeah. I feel like we're living in some sort of bizarro universe <laughs> where the Washington football team had one of the best free agent plans of anybody in the league, because I think you're right on all of those guys that you just mentioned. I mean, I, I really like William Jackson and I mm-hmm. really like the value they got for William Jackson compared to, you know, what Ronald Darby, the guy that they let go yeah. mm-hmm. got in Denver you know, I, I think yes. William Jackson is a much better deal yep. there in Washington. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be their long-term answer to quarterback. Right. But it having Ryan Fitzpatrick now puts every other draft option back on the table. You can mm-hmm. go and get a guy if you want to. Or you'll be in position this year that you'll be competitive probably right in the mix for the to win the division with Ryan mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick. You're going to be interesting people are going to watch you people love watching and talking about ryan fitzpatrick yes. so you know they're they're in a pretty good position i think in that division right now yeah and i mean you know i think they're realistic about where they are they're not saying okay we are one quarterback and one receiver away from winning the super bowl but you know this is sort of like that first season with the bills under sean mcdermott where they were rebuilding the roster and they almost made the playoffs by accident and so they didn't really like, you know, sort of get away from that plan. They still said, okay, this is what we're still building in the long term. This is what makes sense for us. And I feel like they're still in position to draft a quarterback if they want to, if someone falls to them, or they could trade up for a quarterback and I wouldn't fault them for doing so. I mean, Fitz is a a valuable quarterback, but also a valuable trade piece if he um if they do draft a quarterback and someone needs a quarterback in week five or week six, like Fitz is a very valuable trade candidate if it works out that way. So I think they're in great shape. They haven't eliminated much long-term flexibility and i think they are building things the right way in washington which is the thing i have never said as an adult before a team maybe not building things the right way the chicago bears who i mean Lindsay, what's happening here i mean this is a team that is cutting cal fuller it's it's uh forced to basically pay Allen Robinson his franchise tag because the market did not work out the way they were hoping for. They were rumored to be trading Akeem Hicks before that went away. Um, this team is just, I don't understand what the plan is with this roster. I don't understand what the plan is either. I don't understand the financial plan. I don't understand the roster plan. They're not better now with Andy Dalton your fans are miserable. You know, you give them out this like false hope that they might be able to get Russell Wilson. And then you sign Andy Dalton and then you have to cut Kyle Fuller, who was one of the best players that you had. And then you tried to get it, but, but after cutting Kyle Fuller to save money, they were potentially in on Kenny Galladay at the same time, which would have been a lot of money. I don't know. And, you know, we, we mentioned our, our friend Robert Mays at the top of the podcast. We talk about him or we talk about the Bears a lot on our podcast. And I don't think anybody has a clear understanding of exactly what this plan is, because 
Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have to be coaching and building this team for their jobs right now. Mm -hmm. It was kind of surprising that both of them made it in those roles into 2021. And they're not really attacking this off season, like guys who are know that they need to win this year in order to keep their jobs. Instead, they're moving further away from the best teams in the NFC. And I don't blame bears fans if they are miserable and frustrated right now. What would you have done at quarterback? Would you have signed Dalton or is there some other path you would have tried to choose? Was there even a good path for them? Well, that's the problem is there was no good path. The bears had put themselves in this situation where they didn't have a lot of options. I mean, Andy Dalton would have made a lot more sense to sign a year ago um, instead of trading for Nick Foles. But now you still have Nick Foles and you had to give up a draft pick for him and you're paying him a lot of money. And I mean, at that point, is Andy Dalton one year, $10 million? How much better is he than Mitchell Trubisky? I, you know, I'm not sure. There just wasn't a good, there wasn't a good option. And the fact that Bears fans got this little glimmer that maybe they could get Russell Wilson. It just made it all the worse when the reality was, is there was no good option. There just was no clear path to a new good starting quarterback. So you're kind of left in taking the best of the rest. And, you know, Dak Prescott got, you know, franchise tagged and then Mm -hmm. signed his long-term deal. There was no Tom Brady in this free agent class. There was no, you know, really clear upgrade out there. So Mm -hmm. look, Andy Dalton might be fine. He probably will be fine. But the the tweets and stuff that he's, he has more career wins than any quarterback from the bears in you know, decades or whatever, but, and that, and that's fine. But like, it's, he's not necessarily what you need, especially when you look at the rest of the NFL landscape, the rest of your division landscape and what some of those other teams are doing. And it's just, it's just really depressing. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get too nerdy on this podcast, but the fact that's, that they're, the fact that's that what we do here, I know, but I like, I don't want to talk too much about voidable years on contracts, but the <laughs> fact that the bears used voidable years to try and get Cairo Santos's cap hit down in 2021. Like if that's what you're doing, like you're mismanaging your, in, like your finances, like that is not a good way to run things. Like just don't sign a kicker to that sort of extension. If you can't afford to get his cap hit at $3 million in the first year, like just do something else with your kicking situation. So I feel like this is a team that just needs to just take a step backwards, think about where they are. And I think that it feels like this is a situation where it's a team that's just desperate to try and win next year and are doing whatever they can for the guys in charge to keep their jobs. Um, The Detroit Lions, not really in the same boat. Obviously, seems like they are ready to, um, you know, rebuild slowly but surely. Um, They are in, I think, an interesting spot. They let Kenny Galladay go, which I was a little surprised by, but um, expectations here are so low that I feel like if they can be competent next year, it's going to go a long way in giving them some goodwill. And I feel like I don't hate the moves they made in terms of signings, but I also don't know, like, it's hard for me to imagine this team actually playing out on paper, like Jared Goff throwing deep passes to Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams. Like, I I don't understand how this is actually all going to work when we actually get to September. Yeah, I don't, I mean, the press conferences are going to be interesting, (laughs) I guess, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this has to be kind of a long-term 
plan here for the Lions. I mean, this time last year and heading into last season, I think there was, I was probably guilty of it. You know, you kind of look at the the Lions and say, okay, this is the year they're going to be competitive, that they're going to make a push to compete with the Packers. Or I don't have that sense right Mm now. I do want to see how it's going to all come together. I'm still fairly skeptical about the the Dan Campbell hire. Just, I, I really want to see how that's all going to play out. I do really like Anthony Lynn and want to see him kind of in an offensive coordinator role again, where he gets to really design that. Yeah, I do, but I'm trying to look through, you know, the, the best moves that they made in free agency. And I, I'm not sure if there is the best one, right? I mean, is it re-signing Romeo Aquara? That's Maybe. probably their best deal, right? Right. Like I'm not like Jamal Williams is like a fine player. He's a fine running back, but like, are you really getting that much out of spending $3 million a year on another running back? And they back? have a fine, they have a fine running They have back. DeAndre Swift. Swift. Yeah. Like I, I just, I understand Dan Campbell wants to be, uh, wants to bite kneecaps or whatever he said. Like, I don't get the feeling that this is like a bite kneecaps team yet. Like if they traded for Taysom Hill and they signed a, uh, you know, Joe, Joe Tooney and they wanted to get like super run heavy. I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. Like I understand their plan. I might not like their plan, but at least I get it. I don't get it with what the lions are doing right now. So if you're a lions fan, what's your expectation now after this first wave or two of free agency? I think this is a win in 2021, or do you start saying, okay, let's, let's start looking at the mock drafts for 2022. What are the quarterback options going to be there? It Probably feels like, yeah, it feels like you're hoping to get the first overall pick in 2022. Like you're, you're clearing out time on Saturdays in September to watch games as opposed to uh, time on Sundays to watch your Lions play. It's what it feels like. Oh man. This is the depressing part of this NOC podcast. Okay. So let's, let's move past the two depressing teams. Let's get to the, the Green Bay Packers. Depressing is not the right word. I mean, this is a team that has a plan clearly. Um, let Corey Lindsley go, which was a significant loss at center, but they're deep at, at, at uh, deep on the offensive line already. They should be fine. Is, is it is it fair to say that like they should have added a receiver, given that the market for those receivers was not very imposing? Like, wouldn't it have been better for them to add a Will Fuller or Juju Smith-Schuster than stick with what they have at receiver, and maybe even if it meant not bringing Aaron Jones back? Or are you happy with what they've done? Look, I don't think I'll ever be just like thrilled with a Packers plan that doesn't include improving their skill position players for Aaron Rodgers, but it's like they're doing it just to troll all of us right now, right? And just say like, we're going to pick up some guys as undrafted free agents. We're not going to draft them high, you know, high. We're not going to spend money on them in free agency and they're going to be fine. I wish, you know, the, the market was there, as you said, for wide receivers and basically everybody except for Kenny Galladay, but I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't more like recruiting going on there. They weren't able to, you know, get one of these veteran guys that, you know, there was a pretty good group. I mean, T Y Hilton was out there until Mm -hmm. today. He just went back to Indy, you know, maybe maybe it's the next spot on the Sammy Watkins tour. You know, he's been visiting everywhere it (laughs) seems, but you know, you think that would be a desirable place for a Mm -hmm. receiver to go and especially if these, if it's the market is, you know, five million dollars. Yeah, you can you can get into that market. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting them to get a Galladay. I mean, I thought it would have been great if it had worked out, but I was expecting like, 
you know, a Sammy Watkins or a Marvin Jones or an Emmanuel Sanders, like that's sort of very affordable mid-tier price tag made total sense to me. And we've seen most of those guys go off the market and now it's pretty much Sammy Watkins or bust. I mean, it's Golden Tate is out there, Adam Humphreys, uh, Cordero Patterson, Danny Amendola, Antonio Brown. I mean, there's not very much to work with. So, um, I mean, I'm Adam Humphrey gonna... seems like a natural Packer. Yeah, he does. That's fair. Like that'll I'm... probably that could that could happen. I could buy that, and that would be that wouldn't be enough, but it would be something, and I would be okay with that. Like, I don't think they have to make a huge, huge move, but I thought just adding a number two piece made sense to me. But then again. I've been skeptical of this plan for the past couple of years and they've gone uh, 26 and six. So and scored like 500 points a year. Yes. So maybe they don't need another wide receiver, but I am surprised given the affordability of those mid tier guys, they did not make a move, but we'll see, you know, still have the draft to work with. They have the backup quarterback and backup running back situation taken care of. So no need to draft players there. Um, but I do feel like if the Packers don't add somebody and then we get to the end of the first round and the Packers don't draft a wide receiver, Twitter is going to be uh, delightful for everyone who's not a Packers fan. And I'll probably be part of it. I'm going to yes. like queue up some gifts right now. <laughs> uh, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, a team that again, I, I sort of similar to Chicago and Detroit, where I just don't have a sense that they are, that they have one foot out the door and one foot in the door when it comes to how they want to build their roster. And I think with the Packers, like you can maybe quibble with some of the moves they've made, but they have a clear plan. Like they are going to have a deep offensive line. They're going to be deep along the defensive line. They are going to have talent. Um, They have top tier pieces they want to bring back. And at the right price tag, they went back and brought back Aaron Jones. Maybe they weren't planning on resigning. They just brought back Mercedes Lewis. Like they have a plan for what they want to do. And that plan has been effective. With the Vikings, I'm not totally sure what the idea is because it sort of feels like they're not good enough to compete at a really high level but they also are stuck with Kirk Cousins' contract. And so because they have that, they have a high floor. And so they can't rebuild. And so I don't know what this roster is supposed to do. Like, I I don't think they have enough to be a significant playoff contender, but there's still a lot of talented pieces here and they're adding players like they think they can be a playoff team in 2021. And they didn't have a ton of money to work with. So it wasn't like they were entering the free agent period where they could go on this, this spending right. spree. They had to be fairly picky about the way that they spent their money. I don't, I don't hate the Dalvin Tomlinson move. I think that move makes sense for the, the type of guy that he is. I don't know about Patrick Peterson. I mean, it's not a huge contract, one year, $8 million, but that's the kind of signing that you make if you think you're right on the verge of making a big jump. And I'm just not sure that they are. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the movie make if you're going over the top or if you're thinking, okay, he was struggling his last year or two in Arizona, we can get more out of him, but let's say they rebuild Patrick Peterson and he has a great year. Well, now he's a free agent. So like, what did you get for him in that one year? You got a good player, but like you get no long-term benefit and the Vikings, even if Patrick Peterson is the guy he was in 2015, that's not going to be enough for them to make it to the Super Bowl. So I, I, it sort of feels like they are, you know, trying to get by and sort of say, okay, you know, like we're going to be a good team. We're going to have some games we win where we're not expected to win. But like, I, I just don't think this is a, a team that's drafted well enough outside of last year when they had a very good draft, but in most years have drafted well enough to be a really competitive team. And 
if everyone stays healthy and Kirk Cousins plays great, they could be a playoff team for sure. But it's tough for me to see a pretty high ceiling for this team. And I think the moves they're making are the moves you make when you think you have a pretty high ceiling. So what's the type of building called that has a really, that has a high floor, but a low ceiling? Because I think that's who the Vikings are. <laughs> I don't know. Can we get an architect to chime yeah, in here? That's the thing. We need like, as someone who does not own a house, who's lived in apartments his whole life. Um, like I'm a the split level? Person. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. Like they have a, they have a, uh, a finished basement. You know, it is nice. Like you're going to be pretty psyched with it. Plenty of storage space, but like no one's ever going to go over to the Vikings house and be wowed. No one's ever going to drive by the house and stop and be like, oh man, I want to have a house like this. Like nobody would want to build their team this way. And yet this is where the Vikings are. I have a future idea for a NFL's time Zillow uh, par- partnership. So <laughs> <laughs> let's make that happen. I feel like if anyone can make it happen, let's see, it is you. Um, Sounds like a good off-season project. It does, for sure. The Atlanta Falcons, a team that is sort of uh, similar to the Eagles, eating their vegetables after years of questionable cap decisions, questionable drafting since their Super Bowl appearance. Um, Not much in the way of signings. Of course, bringing in Arthur Smith and the new staff. Um, They let Alex Mack leave, Tack McKinley, former first-rounder leave. Um, Not much coming in. Mike Davis just signed there on a two-year deal to probably be the starting running back, which I like. They did not overpay for a running back, but I mean, it just feels like the Falcons are going to draft a um, defensive player with the fourth overall pick, right? They are picking, yeah, they're yes. picking for, they'll either trade down or pick a defensive player at four and just sort of hope that the defense can hold up its end of the bargain for the first time in years, uh, given the fact that they do have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think the most notable or you know newsworthy bit of information to come out of the Falcons since free agency began was the restructure for Matt Ryan, because yeah. that was the big question heading into this off season was how committed were they to him long-term? Could he be a piece that got, you know, could they trade him? Could they take a quarterback at four? The restructure makes it pretty clear that they're, they're committed to Matt Ryan for this season and a bit beyond this season as well. So but they still don't have much. I mean, they had no money to spend. And we talked about the, the Vikings not having money. I mean, the Falcons were really handcuffed going yeah. into this offseason. I mean, they had they were going to have to be bargain shoppers. And, you know, they they what they made a trade for um, for Lee Smith, the tight end formerly of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not like a huge, sexy move the needle type of move. So, yeah, you're just going to have to really hope that you know, having a good quarterback in Matt Ryan, some really good skill position players, having previously invested in the offensive line, that that's going to be good enough. And, you know, you're playing in the same division as the the defending Super Bowl champions. And I don't Mm. know if that's, you know, the Saints are going to rebuild. So maybe you're kind of in that race at least, but Mm. I'm not sure if they're immediately better this year beyond the fact that they do have new coaches and we don't know exactly what they're going to look like on the field. If you're them, do you just take the best available defensive player on your board at four or are you just, are you going to trade down and try to get as many pieces as possible? I trade back if I can. I mean, I, I imagine that that's, that seems like my best plan if I'm, if I'm Terry Fontenot is trying to accumulate more picks and move back. And I think picking at four is going to be a very desirable spot there are teams that are going to want to move up there because of the way that this draft looks with their quarterbacks, but you're a team that doesn't need to draft a quarterback at four. So 
you know, you can move back a couple spots. You might be able to even stay in the top 10, accumulate some other picks, maybe pick up an extra first and, uh, and you'll be in pretty good shape. So, yeah, but I, I think defense absolutely has to be the way that they, that they go there. Cause I don't think there's really many spots along that defense where you can say like, we're set, we're set here with an all-star for a long time. I mean, Grady Jarrett is freaking awesome. And, you know, when we talk about the Dan Quinn signing all these ex Falcons and wanting to recapture that or something in Dallas, Grady Jarrett was the best part of that, those defenses. And luckily for the Falcons is he's, he's going to be staying there long-term. So outside of that, I don't really know if there's a single spot where I would think you, a position that you wouldn't consider taking in the first round. Yeah. I, I think absolutely. It's just whoever you have on your board, who you think is the best defensive player is the guy you take. If you're the Falcons, watch them take like uh, Kyle Pitts now and just say, you know what, we're going to be the Cowboys South. We're going to go, we're going to win 41, 34 every week. Maybe they'll do that, but I don't think that's likely. Um, Carolina feels like they are Matt ruling it up. Like they want to be <laughs> real grimy. They want to get in the trenches, the signings they've made. I mean, guard, guard, edge rusher, lineman, linebacker. They signed David Moore at wide receiver, Dan Arnold at tight end. I mean, very, very unflashy in terms of their signings. Uh, and then also any Temple player yes. that they can find, Hassan Reddick, to completely rule it up, to steal your phrase. There. Yeah, I mean, that's what they want to do. And I think that's fine. Like, they're, they've talked, you know, they, they certainly have been in the market for quarterback improvements. They were in the discussion to trade for, I believe, Matthew Stafford. Um, they yes. were in the discussion for Russell Wilson. Still in the discussion for Russell Wilson and Sean Watson. Who knows what will happen in both those situations? It seems like neither of those trades are likely to happen anytime soon, but it seems like Carolina is sort of biding their time until they can make a major upgrade at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and I think until we know exactly what their quarterback plan is, it's hard to make too many broad you know, definitive statements about what the, what the Panthers did this off season, other than we're just, you know, we're really seeing them build themselves in Matt rules image. And this is also a first free agent cycle for their new GM, Scott Fitterer. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just want to know exactly what their long-term quarterback situation is going to be. And they'll be okay with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, right. I think they'll be fine. You know, they're not desperate in that they don't have a quarterback or you have a, you know, a bottom five quarterback. They have a they have a quarterback, but I think when they look around the rest of the NFL landscape, it's pretty clear that if they want to be one of those elite teams in the right. NFL, they're going to have to get better there, and they have not up to this point been able to do so. Right, and this is still a pretty young team. I mean, they're going to get Christian McCaffrey back after he missed pretty much the entire season, so you'd figure they think they're going to be better in 2021 than they were in 2020, and they they have a draft pick where they can make that work. They have some flexibility. They could try to move up from eight for a quarterback if they're so inclined. They could stay put and draft best available piece. They could draft a quarterback at eight, possibly. You know, chance that they have a quarterback fall to them at eight. So they have options. Um, I think they would probably prefer to get something sure, like a Watson or a Wilson. But at the end of the day, those two moves are pretty unlikely. I think they're just going to be adding infrastructure to try and make that quarterback's life easier, whoever it is, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or somebody else in 2021. Um, the New Orleans Saints, I mean, they get the A for effort award in terms of all the work they've done to have to try and get under the cap. They accomplished their goal, uh, even while franchising Marcus Williams, which I think was probably the, the biggest move they made this offseason. Um, they've brought back Jameis Winston, 
on a one-year deal. Um, obviously had to cut some players. You know, they did get rid of guys like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Nick Easton, Janoris Jenkins, Quan Alexander, let Trey Hendrickson leave. But overall, I don't know what you think, but it seems like there's still plenty of talent here where if they can get competent play out of the quarterback position, they're going to still be competitive in 2021 to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's all about the quarterback play and you know that they're going to be well coached, you know, that they've got some really good skill position players. They still have a really good offensive line, but you know, of any of the teams that we're going to talk about here in the NFC, I mean, they were in the most financial trouble in terms of they were going to be the most handcuffed going into free agency. They weren't going to be able to, you know, be big spenders, despite the way that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis are masters at (laughs) manipulating the salary cap. They just, they just could not do it to bring in, you know, some, some veteran players, like the guys that were out there. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess the Jameis way, I like the Jameis Winston signing for that value I still just don't understand what they're going to do there and the amount of money that they're giving Taysom Hill, the restructure that they did with Taysom Hill, what exactly that quarterback competition is going to look like moving forward. Could they be in that group of teams that might need to draft a quarterback? Maybe I, that, that, I guess those are just my big questions. And as an aside, since I did mention Taysom Hill, did you get a PR pitch email with Taysom Hill is like the new spokesman for Idaho potatoes this week (laughs) because, because that one landed in my email box and it's a picture of Taysom Hill sitting on the couch posing with a potato. I just picture like them having like the Idaho potato. I'm assuming it's Idaho potato uh, related, like the Idaho potato committee having a meeting and they're like, okay, we have a list of pitch people a list of our ideal spokesperson and number one on that list, Taysom Hill. And they're like, do you think we could get him? And no, no, I don't think we could. We have to try though, right? Like we just have to go for the perfect, the perfect pitchman. And then Taysom Hill says yes. And they finally get Taysom Hill to advertise Idaho potatoes. He is like so proud holding this potato. Wouldn't like, you be? Like it's, like it's like Rafiki holding Simba in the Lion King. It's just, but like, look, good for him to get his money. I mean, he's going to be in that, Chase Daniel category of yes. like dudes who have just managed to make a ton of money for not doing a lot. And at least to his credit, he's like pump protecting and throwing some passes and catching some passes. But in terms of what the Saints long-term answer is at quarterback, I'm just, I'm just still not sold that okay. I'm not sold on him in a way that Sean Payton is. Let's just yes. say. Can we just talk about the fake Taysom Hill contract for a second? <laughs> okay. So like, yes. let's say, Let's say the athletic came to you and they're like, Lindsay, listen, you're doing great work. We really think you're a valued member of the organization. We want to sign you to like the biggest contract you can imagine, but it's fake. You're never going to see any of it. Like we're going to announce it like it's real, but everyone is going to know you're not actually making any of this money and have literally the contract will say that you have no possibility of making any of this money. It's only for accounting purposes. Like, would you feel proud would you feel confused like I, I i can't imagine being Taysom hill in this situation i mean i guess it's one of those things where people only read the headline they don't read the fine print or the retraction so the only thing that people would notice was like lindsey jones signs a hundred million dollar deal and they don't read the like but that's actually only you know fifty dollars or whatever because <laughs> now we all are going to think and we're going to be watching games next year 
where they're going to be talking about on the broadcast, oh, and Taysom Hill restructured his contract for $100 million without, you know, actually looking into the fine print on the contract and realizing that it is all, you know, it was literally monopoly money that they were <laughs> signing that, that deal. Um, but, you know, good for him, I guess, right? To make people think that he's making a gazillion dollars. It's so fascinating. Like, why not make it like $60 million a year? Like, why not throw an even crazier number out there? Five hundred million dollars. Yeah, right. I just, like, just give them the Mahomes deal. Yeah, just get straight up, Doctor Evil. Like, why not? Like, I. It's so fascinating to me. Um, they that, just like, paid him in potatoes, right? <laughs> just picturing Taysom Hill with like a potato gun on the sidelines, just like firing at Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan fumbling the football. Like, <laughs> he just finds ways to win games, folks. That's what Taysom Hill, Mister Potato, does for the New Orleans Saints. Um, Tampa Bay Bucks, very different situation. Won a Super Bowl, feeling great, and they brought everybody pretty much back. I mean, Shaq Barrett, Gronk, Ryan Suckup, Dominican Sue. I mean, the core of this team, Chris Godwin coming back on the franchise tag, like everyone they basically wanted to bring back, Levante David, they brought back. I mean, the only person I could think of really is Leonard Fournette. And you know, I know he was a big part of the theme in the postseason. I think they can probably find a running back and get this team back to the postseason with the core they have. Because they've, I mean, if you think they were really good last year, and like I understand they're an old team, but like enough of the guys are going to be good again that they're going to be a playoff team again in 2021. The, the Bucks are just a really good example of a team that kind of had their books in order yep. so that they could do these creative contracts right now where you're in a position to win now in 2021, obviously. So you can afford to do some of these, you know, a, a really big deal for Shaq Barrett, but you can do the extensions with the voidable years to some of these other guys to make these deals possible. And I mean, I guess the, the rich get, get richer, right? I mean, they were it's just so rare that you have a team that was already good. That was also in good financial position because a lot of the teams that were good, they were good because they were paying their quarterback a lot, or they didn't have a lot of financial flexibility because of the contracts that they already had on the books. The bucks were just in such a good position to really own this off season. And I look through their list of moves that they made. And I don't think there's a single one that I'm like, Ugh, that was a bad contract. Or why did they sign that guy? I mean, Shaq Barrett's deal is probably my favorite deal of all of free agency. And it was mm -hmm. one of the first ones, you know, that got done at the beginning of the, the tampering period, mm -hmm. but it just makes, it makes sense. You know, you, you know exactly how he's going to play, how he's going to fit. He's been productive. He deserves that contract, you know, even through re-signing and Dominican Sue today. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the moves just, they all make sense. And I will say this about uh, Leonard Fournette maybe he, he won't be that productive and he'll end up being cut and you can re-sign him for the postseason. Yeah. Because all you really need is postseason money. Mm-hmm. All you need is a running back who you can rely upon in the postseason. Like you could just cycle guys in for the first 17 weeks or 18 weeks of the year. Um, do you know what Tom Brady's cap hit is this year? I don't. What it's, is it? It's $9.1 million. He has the 20th largest cap hit in football. <sighs> Among quarterbacks. Do you know who's 21st in terms of cap hit among quarterbacks? Blaine Gabbert. Taysom Hill. <laughs> Mr. Potato. Mr. Potato. And oh. a person who would not eat a potato for a billion dollars. Tom Brady. 
and Taysom Hill. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they've killed this offseason. They've done exactly what you would have hoped for. Um, you know, really, it's just about holes here and there, minor things. And again, like if you're a veteran free agent and you don't have a market over the next month or so, like the place you're going to want to go is a place that has no income tax, warm weather, and are the favorites to go back to the Super Bowl. And that is Tampa Bay. So I think they're going to have their pick uh, of the guys who don't have that market developer. They might get someone like uh, a Justin Houston on a one-year deal for small money to to upgrade the depth along their defensive line or maybe add a running back for cheap. Like they're going to have the ability to add some guys as the year goes on. Um, the NFC West, I mean, start with the Rams. Of course, big move they made this offseason was the Matthew Stafford trade. That's going to be the biggest. Or sorry, actually, we should do the Cardinals, right? That's how, that's how the alphabet works. ARI comes before LAR. Um, excuse me. Um, the Cardinals. Let's start with them. So they go out, they sign JJ Watt before free agency begins. And I I am fine with that. I JJ Watt is older, JJ Watt is injury prone, but like he is a Hall of Fame talent. And when you can add Hall of Fame talents, I think you take that opportunity pretty much every time you get. Um, the AJ Green signing, I was more disappointed by just because yeah. I feel like they need speed. Like in week in when they were losing at the end of the year, they had nobody who could threaten teams deep. Andy Isabella was not playing regularly for that team. They just did not have a deep up. And Keyshawn Johnson was their deep threat with speed last year. And he's just, you know, he's a replacement level NFL receiver. So I really wanted them to add someone who could threaten teams downfield. AJ Green, for whatever he has at this point of his career, is not that guy. So I I understand the JJ Watt signing, totally uh, abide by that. AJ Green, not so much. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I saw that one come across, I got it texted to me and I was like, what year is it? Am I supposed to get excited and write something about this right now? Because if you've watched AJ Green film from last year, he's, he's just not the same guy. And it was, it was hard to watch at a lot of, a lot of points last year. And like, maybe he can still out jump some guys but you kind of have that guy already a much better, younger version of that guy. Right. So yeah, I wanted to see them add speed and you know, really what it says to me is that they are going to be very much targeting a wide receiver in the first round of this draft. But like if they do that, they've now spent, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, who was a second round pick and a ton of money. And granted that's a trade they make a hundred times out of a hundred, but they still spend a lot on DeAndre Hopkins. They've used a second round pick on Christian Kirk. I believe it was a two, um, a two on Isabella, who might be done. Now you sign AJ Green to a one-year $6 million contract. Like, I, I'm all for giving Kyler Murray weapons to work with, but I just, this team has so many holes elsewhere on their roster that I just think, you know, they, they, they're sort of investing so much at wide receiver that I think at some point it's it's diminishing returns. Like, I can see they're not, but at the same time, you're right though. Like, they have an unfinished part of their team at receiver. So I, I, can't fault them for trading for Hopkins, but I feel like they have just sort of, there's just something there that doesn't add up. And I feel like we saw the second half of last year when they, we kind of figured, okay, they beat the bills and that hail Mary. They're so well positioned to make the playoffs. Kyler's an MVP candidate. And then that team just fizzled out over the second half of the season. Well, in the other spots too, it's not like they have, they're stacked at the other skill position places. Running back is going to be a big question. You know, Chase Edmonds, they're kind of saying, all right, you're going to be the guy. I mean, they're, I think they're investing like maybe $2 million total right now at the running back position, uh, tight end. 
is barren. I mean, Dan Arnold was their most productive wide uh, tight end last year. He left to sign with the Panthers in free agency. So they're pretty, they're thin at all of these other positions as well. So, you know, they, they did a lot to address their offensive line in free agency. They obviously made the trade for Rodney Hudson, which is going to be a huge move in terms of, you know, a a leader on that offensive line an anchor on that offensive line. He's going to be, you know, a a locker room changing presence there for that offense and for Kyler Murray. But I'm not sure at those other positions, how much better they are right now. Yeah. I think major questions in the secondary uh, linebacker, not all that great offensive line outside of Hudson, still a question mark. Um, Tight end running back question marks. I mean, like there's just, this is a cornerback is still a question major question after losing Patrick Peterson wasn't even all that great last year, but I mean, they've lost Peterson and have not really replaced him to my knowledge. So maybe that's what they hit in the first round, but I just think this is a team where they need like seven or eight guys to be total superstars. Like they need Hopkins, Hudson, Murray, uh, maybe Edmonds, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones, and Buda Baker to be like the best players at their positions in football. And if they are, which is not out of the question, they're a playoff team, but if they're not, they don't have the pieces elsewhere around those guys to hold up. Yeah. And I think one of the questions I kept getting asked, you know, in mailbags and headlines posts and all of these sorts of things is like, they signed JJ Watt. Like, are they ready? Are they, is this, does this make them a contender in the NFC West? And the more we're talking about it, the more I'm going, no, like yeah. they're, it's it's a nice addition, and I think it's going to make their defense better and infinitely more watchable, and it's going to be fun to watch them. But I just don't know if that makes them that much closer to be to competing with um, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Niners, who we're going to get to, who mm-hmm. should be better next year. Hundred um, percent, absolutely, the Niners will be better this upcoming year. The Rams, I was bringing up earlier, um, we'll leave the Matthew Stafford trade aside because that's not technically free agency, but. In terms of their free agent period, I have them down with one signing. Uh, yeah, they just couldn't do anything. Yeah, they, they don't have the cast base. And the one that they made was bringing back Leonard Floyd for a ton of money. Um, they're like the the opposite of the Houston Texans, where like the Texans are writing like 20 players on one-year deals. They want to be deep. The Rams want to be like the Cardinals. They want to have like eight guys who are stars, and those guys are going to be so good that we're going to overwhelm you. But I mean, do you think, as currently constructed, if they can't add anything else in free agency, do you think the Rams have enough with their current roster to make it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think so. I mean, uh, I mean, who knows? I want to see how Matthew Stafford is going to fit in that offense and what they're going to look like. I don't love some of their losses. Like, you know, losing John Johnson, I think is going to end up being a really big deal. I mean, him signing with yeah. Cleveland. I'm curious what you and Mays talked about with that. It was one of my favorite was one of my favorite signings, but they got into that. They got themselves in this position. The Rams did where they just couldn't afford to keep him. They had the option. They could have put the franchise tag on him, but they don't have a ton of room. They don't have the, they didn't have the space to do so. So they, they had to let him go. You know, you're losing Gerald Everett, some other depth pieces, you know, Samson Ekibon, who are, you know, just some good quality depth pieces uh, mm-hmm. to, to your defense. So, I mean, I think they are going to be good. I mean, I think they've, they've got yeah. really good receivers. 
they potentially have a really good quarterback. They have previously invested a lot in their offensive line in the draft and previous free agencies. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're going to be a really good team. You still have the best defensive player in football. I think you're still going to be very well coached. So, yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think a lot of the good pieces are there for the Rams, you know, the most important pieces. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about the Deshaun Jackson edition? Like, that seems like one of those things that I'm going to devote more time to in March than I will actually devote during the season. Like, this is a guy who, I mean, how old is Deshaun Jackson at this point? He's got to be 35? 35, man. Time flies. So Deshaun Jackson's 35 years old. Wow. Or, or he turns 35 during the season. Deshaun Jackson has played eight games over the last two seasons. And like, even in those eight games, he did not make it through all of the games. Um, He played under 15% of the snaps in two of his three games in 2019. And then in 2020, he played more than half of the snaps uh, twice. So this is a guy who has basically played very small portions of games over the past two years. And maybe he'll suddenly get healthy and be the guy of old and have a great season but he doesn't play in special teams. Maybe he's the return guy. I don't know, but he has not been a special teams player. Typically during his time as a receiver, he played two special team snaps for the Eagles last year. So to me, I think it's more likely he gets cut in training camp than it is that he plays a significant role on the 2021 team. But there's also a universe where he has like eight long touchdown passes from Matthew Stafford. And I look like an idiot. So I can't rule that possibility out either. I also think this could be an opportunity, you know, for the Rams to find kind of a a speedy wide receiver in the middle of the draft. Obviously they're not going to be drafting high, but they've done well. That's one of the positions that they've done really well scouting and drafting. So maybe that's, that's a position that they'll be able to hit, you know, on on the third day, the fourth or fifth round of the draft. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. Um, The Seattle Seahawks, a team that, Uh, was pushed by Russell Wilson to make improvements around him. And I don't see a lot. I mean, they brought Jackson. Come on. Jackson is the one guy. And that's like, I think I was a totally reasonable trade. I like what they did. I think that's a logical move for them, but I mean, not a lot happening here. They let Shaq Griffin leave. They still have KJ Wright uh, as a free agent. Carlos Dunlap, uh, was cut by the team before free agency started. They have not really replaced him. So major question marks at, at, on the edge, still major question marks along the offensive line. They bring Chris Carson back on a pretty reasonable deal. You know, as far as running backs go, I thought it was a pretty solid deal for him. Major questions at cornerback after losing Griffin and Quentin Dunbar being a free agent. I mean, this feels like a team that traded two first round pictures to my Adams thinking they were very close to making it to a Super Bowl. And as you look at this roster, it does not look to or feel to be very close to a Super Bowl right now. Yeah, it was a team that was counting on your quarterback to get you out of a lot of stuff. And now your quarterback is real pissed off. So <laughs> I'm just not sure exactly exactly how that all is going to work. And and look, Russell Wilson, he's going to be back there. I mean, barring some sort of, you know, blockbuster trade around the draft that I think would shock the NFL and probably shock all of us. Russell Wilson is going to get back and he's going to get them out of a lot of stuff. He's going to keep them in a lot of games. He's going to win them some games that maybe they shouldn't have otherwise won. 
but I just, I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to be right there competing for that division title just because of him. And they, they do have some nice other pieces around there, but they're getting older on defense. Maybe they still bring Carlos Dunlap back. Yeah. Um, just, you know, it, it never felt like he was going to be back in 2021 under the current, under his previous contracts, the one that, the one that he was on when they traded mm-hmm. for him last year, he's still available. So, you know, maybe he comes back. What are their cornerback situation? What's their cornerback situation exactly going to look like? Uh, yeah. I don't, it's I don't tough. Know. I mean, there are options on the edge that are available. And so like they could add an edge piece or two and have a competent rotation. They have some young players there as well. And like, there's still Richard Sherman's still a free agent, although I don't think he's going to go back anytime soon. Um, AJ Bouye is still available. Casey Hayward's still available. There are some veteran corners, Steven Nelson, um, guys who are still out there as we record this, but this is also a team that does not have a first round pick this year because of the Jamal Adams trade. So like with the teams we're talking about, you know, elsewhere in this section where we're saying, okay, well, they're in rough shape. Well, the Falcons are in rough shape, but they have the fourth overall pick. Um, the Bears are in rough shape. They have their first round pick. The Lions are in rough shape. They have a top 10 pick. The Seahawks don't have their first round pick. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, don't have, no, they do their second round pick this year. They don't have their third round pick this year. So down a one and a three. I mean, that's that's going to hurt you because that's your easiest path to free talent or cheap talent. And they don't have that. So um, it's so you, tough. For me you to know what the Seahawks do. could do if they wanted to acquire several first oh. round picks. <laughs> Just, just saying. That's true. They could do that. I, I don't know. I don't think it's happening, but I will say stranger things have happened. Um, let's finish up here with a team that I think should trade their quarterback and are not going to the San Francisco 49ers where their big signing this year, of course, Trent Williams, largest contract ever for an offensive lineman. Um, I can't fault them for bringing him back. Just, you know, he is a superstar left tackle. You need those guys if you're going to win football games. And they didn't have a clear path to a replacement. So no issue there. Kyle Juszczyk, I I just give up. Like, if you're going to think that Kyle Juszczyk is a transcendent player at fallback, I'm not going to convince you otherwise. I don't know why he's making twice as much as any other fullback in football. But I've said my piece. It's done. Um, With the Niners, like, do you think they have any major moves left? Or do you think they head into 2021 with their core being what it looks like now? Like, basically, do you think they make any changes at quarterback? They make any major additions? Or is this kind of what they're going to run with next year? Yeah, I mean, they seem real committed to to one more year, at least, of Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm, I'm kind of with you, and I wish that they were to explore some other options. I think we know what their ceiling is with Jimmy Garoppolo. Look, that ceiling was fairly close to a Super Bowl title, but everything else had to go right to make that happen. Right. And I think the confidence in Garoppolo and how much further he can take them has only diminished in basically since that third down pass was incomplete in the Super Bowl. Um, I think what it, what I reading into the Niners is that they think that they had some really crappy luck last yeah. year and that they, the guys that they lost, the guys that they let go in free agency, Kendrick Bourne, Solomon Thomas, that kind of crew of guys, those were depth rotational types of pieces mm-hmm. that when you have the guys that you really should have had playing a lot last year, when you have Nick Bosa back full-time, that you're going to be a much better team. You're going to be much more competitive in the mm-hmm. NFC West, if not the favorite 
in the NFC West kind of back where you were at the end of the, uh, the 2019 season and that the 2020, we're going to look back. And it was kind of this weird aberration season where everything went wrong. You had COVID issues. You had the most games lost, I believe, to injury of any team in the NFL last year that just getting those guys back will be more important than any actual additions that you could have made. Mm -hmm. So if you were them, if you were able to make a decision at quarterback, what would you do? Would you keep Garoppolo at $25 million unguaranteed? Would you trade up and draft somebody? Would you trade for someone like Sam Darnold? Like what would you do at quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's just really tough because you, if you want to get, you say you want to get rid of a guy, you have to have a good, plan right is sam darnold in the first year in a kyle shanahan system better than jimmy garoppolo probably not is a rookie with an otherwise maybe playoff ready roster especially on defense better than jimmy garoppolo probably not would deshaun watson with if all of this other stuff weren't going on better than jimmy garoppolo absolutely would russell wilson be better Absolutely. But those are not necessarily realistic options. So if you're thinking about like, what's realistic, what could we actually do? Jimmy Garoppolo is probably your best option for 2021. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, I, I, I can imagine a scenario where they have a young quarterback and they just have so much talent around him that it works and they're set for the next couple of years. I think if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again, which is something that's been a problem for them the past couple of years, they're in serious trouble and that would stink because they have a Super Bowl caliber team around that quarterback. But I do think that um, they're going to run it back one more time at Jimmy Garoppolo. They do have Josh Rosen on the bench. Like Josh Rosen's there. Josh Johnson's there. Like there's so many quarterbacks of mild notability behind Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, I think this is a super talented team. And I think getting Trent Williams back, no matter who your quarterback is, is going to make that guy better. So I think they are in great shape to compete again in 2021 that's it we hit all 16 teams um, made it work made it work uh lindsey jones if people want to check out more of your nfl coverage on both the nfc and the afc where can they do that yes yeah, so you can find all of my work at the athletic um only one dollar to subscribe right now gotta throw that out there i'm mm-hmm. also on the athletic football show at least once a week with robert mays and you can find me on twitter at by lindsey h jones where i basically tweet a lot about my daughter football and sometimes your daughter comments on football which she she does she well she did a bracket last week for march madness um Mm -hmm. did not go great okay but my four-year-old but who did your daughter predict to win the super bowl uh she did pick the buccaneers and she picked it to be a low scoring game i believe Mm -hmm. she picked that the the chiefs were only going to score I think she picked 12 points maybe. And I was like, no way. There's no way the Bucks hold the Chiefs to you know, less than 14 points. And she was smarter than I am. So here we are. Up and coming analyst. I'm just saying sports business journal, five under five. I got to get her an agent. She's got to get her an agent. Five under five. <laughs> I'm dying. All right. Lindsay Jones, you know it's always a pleasure. Thanks so Thanks, much for coming Phil. on the show. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. 
Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. All right, always a pleasure to have my friend Lindsay Jones on talking about free agency. If you missed it earlier this week, we talked with Robert Mays, also of The Athletic, about the free agent moves in the AFC. So we covered all 32 teams. Hope you guys enjoy that. And hope you guys enjoyed the audio this week. More coming next week here on the Bill Barnwell Show. So thanks for listening.